Amen. It's great when God enlarges us, isn't it, eh? It's always good to be enlarged. We're in a season now where God is enlarging us, and enlargement has two forms. It's external. You grow. Things change. Things uh, increase. Things get uh, bigger. Business grows. Uh, your influence grows. Uh, you get promoted. Now, those are the external things, but always external enlargement is preceded by internal change. And so right now, whether you're young, whether you're old, God is calling you to be willing to change on the inside. I want to just pick up that story of David, and uh, we've been looking at the seasons in David's life. We've been following through the theme, the making of a king. And uh, I want to uh, just share tonight related to that. I want to just, uh, just stop and look at an incident in David's life. And I want to just tonight talk about courage to continue. Courage to continue. So we're going to go back where we say, we're going to start the same place each time because if I keep repeating the scripture, you'll find you'll remember it. In Acts chapter 13. So let's go back in Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. See if I can find it here, Acts chapter 13. And uh, this is what the Bible says concerning David. Now, this is God's commanding him. It's not like someone wrote this about him. It says in verse 22, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all of my will. So we see the first characteristic that made David the man he was, was he had a heart that longed to know God intimately. God, what do you like? What do you delight in? What, what is in your heart? What are the things that you think about? And so he pursued God. He was a man of intimacy with God, a man who pursued God. And if David could do it, we can do it too. David, when he had time alone, when he was just a young person up to the age of 17, established in those 17 years a track record of reaching out and connecting with God. He made the pursuit of God his personal priority. Now, I know many of you young ones, you're, in, you're, doing, you're doing courses at school, all of those kind of things, and they're all really helpful for you. But listen, the pursuit of God will carry you through to your destiny. There is nothing you can learn at school that will actually take you to the God-given destiny. The only way that you can reach your God-given destiny is if you connect with the one who created you, develop intimacy with him. Intimacy takes time. It's time spent praying, time spent pouring your heart out, it's time spent reading the word. It's not found in a meeting, it's found at home alone. And then when you come into a meeting, you find already before anyone else has even started, your heart is arising to connect with God. You've practiced it. One of the things you find when you begin to practice engaging the presence of God at home, it becomes like a track built into your inner man. And it becomes easier and easier and easier to just suddenly lock in and engage the presence of God. But if you've never made it a habit, if you've never made it a habit to pour out your heart and begin to learn how to reach into the heart of God, if you never do that when you're young, you find it gets more and more difficult as you get older. You have much more stuff that's caught into your life. So David, when he was a young man, pursued God. Second thing we saw in the scripture here is he said, I know David, he's a man after my heart who'll do all my will. So David was a man who not only sought what God wanted, he actually was happy to do what God wants. In verse 36, David, after he'd served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. So the second thing we see about David, not only was he a man passionate to know God intimately, he didn't just spend a lot of time praying. He actually was a man who influenced and changed a nation. It says he served his generation. So every generation, including this one, is looking for a man or a woman who will get to know God and then fulfill what God says to do. Now that could be that you reach your friends for Christ. 
could be you start up some kind of thing that helps gather them up. You may start some kind of program that touches people's lives. Who knows what it'll involve for you. Every one of us has got a unique way of expressing the will of God in this generation. But the key thing is that we do it. Now, I want you just to look with me at a couple of verses, and we're going to go back into, uh, into the Old Testament to David again. I want you to pick up in verse, uh, Hebrews 6, verse 12. The TV man hasn't got that one because I just threw it in. And Hebrews 6 and verse 12, he says this. He says, don't become sluggish or lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Don't become a slacker, in other words. I like that kind of word. Don't become a slacker. So obviously he's writing to Christians, it's possible to become a slacker. Tell the person next to you, don't become a slacker. That's good, good counsel. That's good advice. Don't become a slacker. Slack is a person who's lazy. They're waiting for someone else to do it all. It says, but rather, notice this. It says, be followers or an imitator of certain kinds of people. Now, young people, there's a great tendency to follow the crowd. Have a look really what you're following and where it goes. Just think through what you're following and where that leads to. Because the people you follow, the people you connect with, the people you share your life with, they begin to shape what you are. So begin to be careful what you follow. And the Bible tells us what to follow. It says, follow those men and women who through faith, there's this, faith and endurance or courage to continue in the face of pressure, follow people who are believers in God, and when it's tough in their life, they've got the courage in them to stick with it and go on. They may not be up on a platform. They may not be people that you see visibly, but they've got faith in their life. And when you watch them in adversity, you watch them in trouble, you watch them in pressure, the thing you notice is there's a courage inside, and they stand up, they stay the course, and they're not quitters. I've had years and years of people, and when the pressure comes on them, they quit right at the crucial time. And I grieve over people that do that. Right at the point when they should be breaking through to the things God has, they quit because they didn't have the courage to stay the course. And one of the things that helps us stay the course is you have people you look to and model your life on who've got faith. They believe God and they have courage to stand. You watch them when times are tough and you hear them still praising God. They still continue. And a year later, they're still there serving God. Over the years, I've seen some bright and shining stars. Well, the bright stars shine and then they go. What I look for are men and women who stay the course. And you may not see them up here. They may not be on the platform, may not be out in the open. But when you watch over the course of time, you see there they were. They just hung into God. And you never saw what went on behind the scenes, but they hung into God. They had courage to stand. I could share story after story of people here who had the courage to stand when everything in them wanted to quit. Say. And that's what the Bible says, be like that. He said, be followers of those who through faith and patience, notice this, inherit the promises of God. So if God has spoken to you about something he wants to do in your life, you've got to realize it'll take your faith and it'll take you some courage to stick with it. Because everything is going to take you off course if it possibly can. I can think of times when people have come up and they've stood in an altar call, have dedicated their life to the Lord, Spirit of God spoke prophetically, and I look at them now, and they just didn't have the faith and the courage to stay the course. They were sabotaged before they finished their course. I say, Lord Jesus, help me. I want to stay the course and finish strong. Huh? You want to do that? It's not where you are now. It's how you finish. I was talking to someone today. I said, it's not where you're at now. It's what you're like at the end of the course. What you're like at the end of your life. 
Are you still strong and there's fire and there's passion for God and you're pursuing and still believing promises of God? Or did you quit because it got tough? You gave up because your friends around you gave up. There was someone who was your friend and they gave up on God and you followed them. Don't be followers of quitters, followers of people who stick the course, stay the course. Listen, even in the natural things of this world, people who quit too easily never achieve, never succeed. There's something about staying the course not being distracted, keeping your focus on your dream, your vision, and particularly in this case, focusing on the Lord who's got the ability to fulfill your promises. Notice the second thing found in Hebrews 10 and verse 38. Hebrews 10, 38. So what we've got to do, don't be a slacker, but rather be followers or imitators of people who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Here's another one, similar kind of thing in Hebrews 10, 35. Don't cast away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of, what do you got need of? You got need of courage to stay the course so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So notice again that in order to receive what God has promised you, there's a couple of things it tells you here. It says, number one, it says, don't lose your confidence, confidence in God. Man, you can have a mess all around you, but stay confident. Hey, God's great at fixing messes. If God could reach out of heaven and raise a dead man out of a grave and raise him up and bring him to heaven, he's got the ability to raise me up. Doesn't matter what I look, doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter what my finances are saying, doesn't matter what the circumstances say, God can lift me up and help me finish the course. He can do it for you too. Look at Joseph. There he is in the lowest prison of Egypt. He's been accused falsely of rape or attempted rape. And there he is rotting away in a prison. And God is able to reach into the prison, lift him up and stick him on a throne. That's the God we serve. He can do it. And if he can do it for Joseph and Daniel and men like that, he can do it for you. He's not a different God. But I tell you something, the Bible's very clear. Don't let go of being confident in God. Don't be confident in yourself. Don't be so confident in your friends. Be confident in God. God is faithful. God is faithful. He will get you there. Don't lose your confidence and hang in and stay true because after you've done what God says to do, that's when you get the promises. And there's something about that that people today struggle with. You've got to remain bold and confident in God and stay on course doing what God said to do then God brings you through. Now, I've seen this over and over and over. People just stuck the course. And I've seen it with people and they, I couldn't believe it. Right when they're about to break through, they just gave up and went off track. I thought, oh, I heartbreak for them. I, I just talked with someone this week and right at the point they're about to have everything enlarged for them, just went off course. Actually gave up. I think, oh, don't be a quitter. Don't give up. Never, never give up. Tell someone, don't give up. Don't be a quitter. Don't give up. Come on, stay the course. Okay, let's go into the Old Testament. We're going to have a look at David. Let's go into the Old Testament. Courage to continue. Let's pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I love this about David. Sometimes we look at all kinds of things. We're not looking at all the things he did. We're looking at the kind of man he was. You want to find out not just what people did, but what kind of person they are. I was just thinking today of Ian coming back from overseas and conference opened up for him over there, but I remember when he first arrived here. It didn't look like he was going to be taking conferences all over the world. 
You have to stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Just keep doing what God's here to do. Then it comes about. That's how it works. It's, it's, it, and that's why the Bible says be followers of those who've got faith and they stick the course. Don't follow people who waver all over the place and quit and give up. Follow people who've got the courage to follow their convictions in God. Now look at this. It tells us here uh, that David was in Ziklag. Ziklag had been a city that was given to him. Remember, we found that there are certain lessons in David's life associated with cities. We saw a number of cities and what happened in those places. Now, here's a major challenge that David faces. It's the challenge. Where has he got courage to continue when his whole world is falling apart? Now, this is not for just young people tonight. This is also for any one of us who right now may be facing your life being overwhelmed. Here it is. Now, it came to pass... What happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. And they did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. And David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their captives had been taken, daughters had been taken captive. And David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, uh, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. The soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. Now, you see here... David is in a crisis. He had no warning a crisis was about to overtake him. Absolutely no warning. What he'd done is he'd gone out on a raiding party, as he'd always done. The soldiers, there were about 600 of them, went out. They were all armed and they were ready to go and conquer some areas of land. And when they went away, they left the, the city behind them. They left the city of Ziklag. And in that city, they had their wives, their children, their, their finances, their TV sets, their computers. They had everything that people have. They were all there. And, and David, I guess, in his heart, trusted because he was serving the Lord that the Lord would look after him in that situation. And so they went out on a raiding party, and about three days later, they returned to the city. And I want you to try and imagine what he must have felt. Remember, we're looking at what was in his heart and how he conducted himself. We're looking at what kind of type of guy he is. Then you want you to think about something that you're going to have faced or may, may have faced in the past. When he came back and he looked, as they drew near, they would have seen a column of smoke rising up. Have you ever seen a city on fire? I've seen a city on fire. When a city's on fire, there are columns of smoke rising up into the sky from every burning building. When I stood in India in 1984 and there was a riot in the streets, I stood on the roof of a house and as I looked on the roof of the house, as far as you could see, all, every direction, there, was, there were columns of smoke rising up from burning buildings. It's a most incredible experience to have, to be there and see that a city is on fire. And the Amalekites were a very, very violent people. They were known to wait and uh, just hang on uh, in Moses' day and pick off the people of God. They were, uh, they were horrendous people. Saul was challenged to go and kill him, and he never did. And so now these Amalekite hordes had come up. Now, they were a violent people. It's hard for us to kind of imagine that. You imagine now, say, a motorcycle gang has gone into town and has absolutely destroyed everything that's there. 
Not only did they just smash the windows, smash the doors, smash everything that was precious, they just looted the place. Now, when a place has been looted, everything's just pulled out. There's no respect for property. They just tear stuff around. They're looking for money, looking for gold, looking for silver, looking for valuables, and looking for people. And these cruel people gathered up, and they saw that there were just women and children in the town. They gathered up and took every woman, every child, every son, every daughter. They herded them all out. Can you imagine the panic in the families surrounded by an army like that. And then, as they were taken out of the city, they went through the city, burning it to the ground, raising it to the ground. Now, can you imagine what it's like to have been there, to have, to have, to have been captured like that? There's no one to protect you. You've been carried away by an enemy army. They, you know what's going to happen. They will be raping and molesting the women and the children. They'll be forcing the young men to just serve them as slaves. They're dividing the people up so they, this one belongs to this one. No, this one's mine. And they're beginning to argue and fight. They've got the wine and the alcohol. You can imagine what would have happened within a day or two of them taking everyone out of the city. You get the picture of what this is like. So David now, as he approaches the city, looks, and the city he expected God to look after now has been devastated. Everything has gone. Now, don't think that David didn't feel deeply about it. The Bible says they cried and cried and cried until they had no more tears to grieve. So we see here he faced a major setback, a major disappointment in his life. How do you handle setbacks and disappointments? It's valid to grieve. Part of what we do because we're human, we just grieve. Have you ever had a setback? Have you ever had a disappointment? Something you were looking forward to and it, was, it just never worked out. Something that you had hoped would be there and it just fell apart. Something that you valued and someone just destroyed it and treated it like it was nothing. There is a grief comes with that. David and his friends wept. Now here, this is a hardened soldier and what is he feeling? Imagine what he's thinking as, he, as he's coming to that city now. My wife, my beautiful wife, my beautiful children... And they've been taken away by an Amalekite man. And who knows what they're doing to them right now. Can you imagine the grief and the anguish of soul that he felt? All the money's gone. All the goods are gone. Everything he has built in his life has now just gone. That's the kind of level that he's facing. Here's the man who never lost a battle. And now in, face, in front of him is a total disaster. And to top it off, not only did he have a major setback and, and disappointment... The second thing that happened was he was rejected by his own men. Now, you've got to understand, this is not the first time David's been rejected. David was rejected by his family. David was rejected by King Saul. David was rejected by the nation. David was rejected by the men he had reached out and helped them and saved them, risking his life. David understood the pain of rejection. And now, the men that had stood with him for the last 13 years, they too are saying, we better get rid of David. He's a poor leader. They are about to snuff out the only hope they have for their future. This is what people do. When they get hurt, they want someone to blame. They want someone to get angry against. When people get upset, they lose someone. They just get real angry, and they'll, they'll, they'll lash out at the person right near them. You understand he's facing two major things, deep disappointment and deep rejection. He was overwhelmed with grief and extremely alone. Have you ever felt in a time like that? Extremely alone, disappointed, and there's no human person to support you. And that's David's condition at that time. But what you don't see, see, we can see it now 
when we read the Bible. Because when you read the Bible, it's like you just look into the book of his life. So we, we know what comes on. We can just, we've got the benefit. We can just, oh, flip the page. Oh, he becomes the king. We, we can look at it and we can see what God did. But you can't imagine what it's like for the man standing there. He doesn't know what the future's going to be like. He's just lost everything he's invested his life into. It's like a financial collapse and he's lost everything, including his wife and children. That's the level of disaster. And many people are facing that kind of thing at the moment. What would you do? Would you have the courage to continue? Would you have the courage, in spite of it all, to believe God and continue? And that's the thing that David had to face. Have you got it in you to continue? What do you do when there's no one to turn to and all your world has fallen apart? Well, I tell you what will happen. Whatever's been built into your life in the days preceding that will be the thing that will come to the surface. If you have never built a relationship with God, when that time comes, you'll be angry and shaking your fist at God. If you've never built a consistent relationship with God and learn how to lean on Him, when a crisis like that happens, you'll fall apart. I have seen over the years when people find their world falling apart, they fall apart themselves. They begin to be angry. They blame the church. They begin to blame God. They blame this one and that one. And then marriages fail. All kinds of stupid things happen because they never learned to just have the courage to continue the course. I want you to have a look what David did. Very, very interesting thing the Bible says about him. And uh, this is something that's just unique about this man. Okay? Think about it. It says here in verse 6, <clears throat> David was greatly distressed, greatly distressed, greatly distressed, greatly distressed. He was pressed and besieged. He was overwhelmed. He was immensely overwhelmed. He was absolutely devastated, numbed, too much weeping. What do you do now when the pressure's on you? And so the Bible tells very clearly what he did. It says he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Let me ask you this question. What controls your life? When you face some pressure, what controls your life? Do your feelings control your life? So when your feelings are up, oh, it's great, we come to church, we serve the Lord. When your feelings are down, I don't think I'll go. I don't think I'll follow through. I, I just, I've got other things. See, do your circumstances control your life? Well, if circumstances are going good, I'll be happy to come to church, praise the Lord. Circumstances are not so good, oh, well, I don't know. I, I don't know about this God thing. See, what controls your life? Your friends, do your friends control your life? Do your money, your things control your life? What controls your life? You see what was at the center of David's life was a relationship with God. He said, my life and my destiny are wrapped up in the Lord. Whatever the Lord started, he can finish. And so David, he turned. See, it's interesting. We'll, we'll see what people turn to when the pressure's on. Some people, when the pressure's on, they turn to the television. More videos, more videos. See, some people, when the pressure's on, go on the internet. Click, 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 click. Some people, when the pressure's on, start to smoke. Some people, when the pressure's on, start to drink. Where do you go when the pressure's on? Where do you go when you find that you're in adversity? It says where David went, and that's what made him unique. That's the thing about him. In the midst of pressure, when it looked like even God had let him down, there's no person to support him, it says he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He came into the presence of God, and he did some things. Now, there's certain things that he must have done 
in order to become stronger. The Bible says he strengthened himself. So he did things that enabled his whole inner life to become filled with strength to the point where he was able to then seek God for what to do next. The normal tendency is to be overwhelmed with emotions. And I'll show you just a couple of things that he must have done. Uh, we'll just hold your finger there. We'll just look at these couple of verses, then we're just pretty well finished. <clears throat> I want you to have a look in uh, Psalm... Uh, let's have a look, see if I can find it. Psalm 142, and then Psalm 138. Psalm 142. <clears throat> there it is. Verse, verse 1, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With the voice of the, uh, to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint and declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they secretly set a snare for me. I look, look at this. I look at the right hand and see there is no one who cares for me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. And I cried out to you, O Lord, and said, you are my refuge. Notice what he does. He reaches out and he pours his soul out to the Lord. Look in Psalm 132 verse 3. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. I want you to see the first thing he did. The first thing he did after he'd cried all his tears out, he went and he poured out his heart to the Lord. Now, it, it takes something to do that. Sometimes we just shrink our emotions down on the inside and bottle everything up and become like a raging thing. It's, he went before the Lord and he just began to weep and weep and weep and poured out his concern, his fear, his loss. And then he said, Lord, you are my refuge. And in this you get a key how to deal with stuff that's tough. You have to learn to acknowledge your feelings and let your feelings of your soul go out and express to the Lord. You know, he, David never tried to tough it out. He actually opened his heart and he poured out his complaints, his sorrows, his difficulties. He was overwhelmed. And the first thing he did was acknowledge how overwhelmed he was and let his heart just weep before the Lord. I could see him on his knees weeping and weeping and weeping and sharing with God how he felt about it. And then once he had shared how he felt, he began to arise and declare, Lord, you are my refuge. You are the place I go. You are the strength of my life. My life is in you. My strength is in you. My hope is in you. And he began to declare his relationship with God and the promises of God. Lord, you said you would bring me to the stage where I would be the king. I believe your promise to me. I believe your word. And he would take the words of God and bring the words of God back before him. Number one, he poured out his emotions and heart. Number two, he began to declare the promises of God. He began to declare God's faithfulness. He reminded God of what he'd said. And strength began to come back into his spirit. You say, it's not what the people around you are doing. It's what God says and God is doing. God is faithful no matter what is happening. Now, of course, if you've never proven that God is faithful, you don't really know that yet. And so long before David came to this crisis, when David was just a teenager, David had learned to lean on the Lord, express his feelings, express his needs, begin to reach out and lean upon the Lord. When David got to this point, he had a whole track record of times he'd leant on the Lord and God had delivered him out of a mess. 
And so he could go back and remind himself, God, I remember when you delivered me out of that. Oh, yeah, that was great. Man, I was overwhelmed then. Boy, you got me out of that. He went another time. Oh, God, you got me out of that too. Oh, wow, you got me out of that situation. Man, Lord, you really got me out of a whole heap of things. I'm confident you will get me out of this one here. And he was able to strengthen himself. You can strengthen yourself in praying in tongues. You can strengthen yourself confessing the word of God. You can strengthen yourself as you begin to praise the Lord for the things he's done. You can strengthen yourself thanking the Lord for the way he's helped you in the past. You can strengthen yourself remembering what God has done. But friend, if you don't strengthen yourself, what are you going to do? Now it's wonderful to have people around us who can stand with us. It's important to have supportive relationships but there's a part of your life which is the secret part when it's just you and God. And will you lean upon him? And when you've leaned upon him, you know what he'll tell you? He'll then tell you what you need to do. He says, then David inquired of the Lord. After he had got back into a place of confidence and encouragement, then he was able to say, Lord, give me some wisdom here. What should I do? Do you want me to follow them all? Do you want me to leave it? Shall I pursue? That's an amazing question. What would you want to do? You want to get in your car, go down there and find these people and get your family and your goods back? He said, Lord, you show me what I should do. That's tremendous trust to stop the natural impulse of wanting to go out and smash these people up and to ask God, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said very clearly, pursue, overtake, and you'll recover all. He had a word, a mandate that gave him faith to be able to shift all these leaders, stand up, and begin to change that circumstance around. What changed it was, in the midst of a crisis, a man knew how to lean on God and get a word from God to shift that situation around. Now, what I've observed over many years is when Christians face pressure, they cry, they stop praying, they stop reading, they watch television, they drink, they go to the wrong places, but often they don't do the very one thing that would get them through, which is go into the secret place, pour their heart out to God, lean on the Lord and remind him of his promises, and then listen, Lord, what should I do? I can remember being in many different situations, and I didn't know what to do. We came to the place of grieving, and I waited on the Lord, and then he gave me exactly a word, exactly what to do, and I followed it to the letter, and the whole situation turned around. I can remember there was a season in the church when the Spirit of God had moved and everything was uh, in turmoil and upheaval because issues in people's life had come up and, and foundations of the church were being shaken and what we'd built was having a good shake. I remember being through that time and I remember going there and weeping before the Lord. And he told me very clearly, he says, don't try and fight this battle. He said, lean upon me and learn to rest in me and I will direct you exactly what to do. And, and now you see today where we are, we've come way out of that whole situation. We're in a whole different place now. You see, God can do it. This is what made David a great man. In the time of rejection, in the time of disappointment, he didn't do what everyone else did. They just wept and they wanted to find someone to blame. He went into the presence of God and found an answer. And God is looking for people just like that. David's in the heart. Young man, young woman that when the pressure's on, they've already established a track of coming into the presence of God. They know how to pour their heart out and how to stand on God's Word. They've got a history growing behind them of past victories. And now, right now, they're poised, ready for their greatest challenge. 
Within seven years of this particular battle, David became king over the whole of Israel, and all of the promises of God began to be fulfilled in his life. You never know that the crisis you're facing now is not the decision point of whether you take hold of God's promise or whether you let it go. Be followers, don't be lazy, don't be a slacker, don't quit, don't give up, but be followers of those who through trust in the living God and steady endurance doing what God says to do, obtain the promise.